Hello, and welcome to More at Stake, the family business podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Renkert Thomas. We've been talking about human capital. And one of the challenges that I see, particularly during this time of COVID-19, is that we've been seeing individuals sometimes, the individuals in our businesses, as separate and completely individual. But when we do that, we ignore the possibility of leveraging human capital through teams. So to talk about how we achieve that kind of a leveraging, I reached out to my friend and colleague, Jane Summers Kelly, the founder of JSK Leadership. Jane is an executive business coach with 20 years of experience in finance and business advising. She's taught in the continuing education program at Duke and also at NCAD. And through her firm, she helps teams and their leaders adapt the way that they work to maximize measurable business results. She's based in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and she works with clients throughout the U.S. and Europe. Welcome, Jane. Honored to be here, Amy, with Rankert Thomas Consulting, and this is an important topic, Um, so let's dive in. Today, we're talking about how companies are leveraging their human capital in difficult times, which these are. As you all know, human capital means your people their knowledge, how you all work together, habits and values, as well as their external networks, customers, suppliers. So how you get not only the individuals, but the teams, and I'm going to be talking across teams today, How you get those individuals that might not report to you to collaborate better, that's what we're focusing on. To start with, why are we focusing on this? Because Harvard research, for one, has proven, and I quote, profitability increases when workers are persuaded, remember that, persuaded, to collaborate more. Okay? And Google in an Aristotle program project, measured hundreds of their teams to see why some of them were higher performing than others. And they found collaboration was the key, that they collaborated across outside of their team. Specifically, they found that this led to groups innovating faster, seeing mistakes more quickly, interesting, and three, finding better solutions to problems. Okay. So we all want that. We know collaboration is the way to go. So Jane, what would it look like if I improved my teams across teaming collaboration? Well, think of a from two, column one, column two. It would mean that you and your company moved from individual actors with their own objectives and deliverables to the collaboration column where one plus one equals three. Okay. Secondly, you would move from a practice of operating teams in silos. We in finance do our job really well to leveraging others expertise, asking, getting input, even though it's not as neat. Three, you would move from 
the way we look at our business, a linear value chain, to looking at the total circle, the shared strategic priorities, the shared purpose, and you as a leader calling it out so that you motivate the other teams to collaborate. So from a line to a circle. One example I'm gonna start with is the New York head of sales, second gen family business leader. He, in facing serious market downturn, knew that his sales team needed to rethink how they offered their service. But when they got together, he and his team only had the same old solutions. So he decided, after discussions, to ask his peers across the business for input on what was considered his sales problem. And he asked them specifically, how do we adapt our offering for customers' new patterns? He invited one person from, get this, ops, real estate, digital, and credit. He set the tone by saying, I don't know the answer to how we adapt our offering, but I really welcome your ideas. We're going to come back to this New York head of sales and marketing. As we dive into how to collaborate better with all of the talent my company has, I've summarized it into three best practices. One, trust. Means trust them so that they trust you. Trust them to deliver. This increases their buy-in and their results. The second best practice is listen. Listen to learn. And this is clear because what worked previously won't work going forward. So we need to learn from each other. The third best practice is respect. Respect their needs and respect the way they work. And while you respect them as people, there's a lot beneath this respect of how they work. Trust, listen, respect, TLR. I simplify these so that we can remember them, so you can remember them in the moment. And these three are really proven to make a difference. How? All right, let's look at trust first. Now sit back and think. I trust them, they trust me. Sure, they, you think they trust you, but ask yourself this. Do you give them ownership of a project, another team? Ask yourself this. When was the last time you micromanaged one of their projects? Because it affected your, your, your outcome, your team. I'm gonna share another example, and this is a bad example. A learner learned not to do it this way. He was head of the Western American market. He had 10 regional managers and he was only nine months in the job. And he said, Jane, they are not reporting back on our new customer strategy. They aren't giving me results. And my leadership team needs to know that we are adapting. He asked, what should I do? I asked him, why are they not reporting back? And he said, um, 
don't know. So I went and talked to each of them and he went and talked to each of them. And it was very clear that they said, he doesn't think we can get the job done. I can't give him stats every weekly call. Uh, he's got he's to believe that I'm going to do it in my region the way we can. Hmm. So he had to adapt the way he communicated with them. And what was really helpful for him was when I shared um, Meister's trust equation, which has two components, credibility and on the denominator self, credibility. Be candid. Share what you're really thinking. Um, you remember the, the first example, the leader said, I don't know the answer. That makes the people around the table say, oh, okay, okay, and they lean in. The most important element of creating trust is to reduce the amount of self, to reduce the amount of what you need from them and what you think. I'll share an example to illustrate this. A Michigan client, also second gen, was COO of uh, their healthcare services company. And she needed her head of client infrastructure, which was the pipes delivery, which was also her uncle, senior gen. She needed him to prioritize a client problem that the client was really upset about. So she called him into the office and he, he, he rolled his eyes because he knew what was coming. However, she started the meeting by admitting, I have a strong relationship to this client, and I know our new shared strategy in these times is to have a process and not personalize client solutions. But I'm coming and asking, how can we address this client's need? And just by her starting with that candid admitting that she really liked this client, and by reducing what she wanted and saying, how can we achieve it? He calmed down. And instead of defending his team's overload and work overload, they actually had an honest conversation and they reached an agreement. It was a compromise. It wasn't what she wanted, but she built the relationship with him. Trust, TLR, second Best practice, if you really want to improve collaboration and, and, and increase the profitability and increase the outcomes, is listen. And as you know, it's hard to listen because time is short. So the first step to listening is convince yourself that there is something I can learn. And the way to, to have your other peers believe that you're listening is to express sincere interest, and then shut up and listen. To wait till they finish, of course we don't interrupt, and at the end ask a clarifying question to confirm you heard it and you really want to understand their thinking behind it. Now taking this time and pausing and not sharing your opinion is not natural for us leaders. There's a lot to do but you also know, logically, the benefit that that gives to the person whose work you need and whose, whose engagement and collaboration you need. Third example to illustrate 
is a DC client. He had newly been promoted to CEO and he was under a lot of dollar pressure. My client was the second gen head of marketing. And he said, Jane, our problem is all of our ideas, my teams and the other team's ideas are shot down when we get into our leadership meetings. This fellow, the new CEO is so smart and he's under such pressure. He doesn't even let us get our ideas out there, much less formulate them. So I encouraged him and he got the courage up to go ask the CEO, I have a favor. Could you please, in our next leadership meeting, wait until everybody's finished? Ha, ha, ha. Silly question, I know, but please. And then if you could ask a question about why we think this would work, because we're all sharing your revenue pressure. And of course, the CEO, who was so well-intentioned, said, I am so sorry. Yes, of course I can do that. Um, I'm I'm known to, to, to interrupt. And yes, a month later, the, the client said, it is going so much better because we feel that our ideas actually matter now. So guess what? They go back and they deliver more. Sounds easy, but it isn't. TLR, trust, listen, respect. We're going to wrap up shortly. Respect their needs. I know all of you feel, I respect these people, and I'm sure you do. But what is their perception? Do they feel that you are respecting their needs and their roles and how they work? This is a human element of collaboration. You know Maslow's hierarchy. I've simplified it down to get ahead, get along, and make meaning. Actually, Professor Sergey summarized it that neatly. Your peers need to feel like they are making progress, getting along, and that they are work has an impact. So respecting their needs means making time to communicate and build these relationships. The last example is the Virginia head of a tech firm said, Jane, my leaders are not working hard enough. They take 24 hours to respond to me. I need answers. I asked him why he thought this be, what did they have on their desks? He said, I don't know. I, I, they know the priorities. I don't know why they're, they're not coming together the way we need to. I encouraged and convinced him to go have one-on-ones with them, to be open and to ask, what could I do to support our shared deliverables? And I asked him to specifically ask, what motivates you most about your work? Two weeks later, he came back and he remembered what each of them had said about the motivation question. He said, Jane, they were each very different, which was learning for me, and very easy for me to help them by pushing these buttons about what motivates them and, 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 and leverage what motivates them. For example, my head of research says, I want to do public speaking about these ideas we're creating, these new solutions this company is creating. And I realized two of my board members would love to have him speak at their university and at their association. Two months after that, he said, you wouldn't believe it, Jane. We got two new clients from his public presentations. So respecting their needs means understanding their needs. 
In conclusion, how can you improve your company's collaboration? I think it starts by assessing how they feel collaboration is going now. Find out, survey your peers, ask them one to five on a scale of one to five, are we leveraging the collective expertise you and your teams bring to the table? And before closing, I wanna come back to the TLR example of the very first client, the head of New York sales and marketing who didn't, didn't know what to do, so he brought in the cross-teamed brainstorming. And he had asked them to report back with next steps within one week. And he didn't give them any details about what or how much money, he trusted them. And when they came back, they had two ideas, one of which he really liked, but he listened because they outlined why that rule was too, that idea was too expensive. And they convinced him, so he sincerely listened. And the second idea, he let them run with, and it automated an internal process, increasing a response rate and saving the regional site managers hours of time. And the best part was the cross-silo team chose to keep meeting on a monthly basis because they were learning about each other's processes and getting ideas they could take back to their team. So they respected, they learned to respect the value from listening and, and working together. So in closing, what will you try in the next two weeks? Trust, listening, and or respecting. Choose one, it takes time, but go ahead and practice it. And I know that you will observe and see some interesting results. Good luck, onward. Jane, thank you so much for coming to join us for this presentation. Such important food for thought, particularly because in family businesses at times of crisis like this, it is just, we recognize that those who work for our businesses look up to leaders and for answers and solutions. And it's easy for leaders to forget that in fact, those very people may have the solution and are certainly critical to developing the strategy and the pathways forward. So I think that your um, almost deceptively simple TLR really is an important tool for all of us right now. Trust, listen, respect, so that we can get the most out of the human capital that's in our family businesses. Jane, thank you again for joining us. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. You can check out all our episodes, articles, and resources on www.engagedownership.com. You can learn more about Jane's work at www.jskleadership.com. And if you'd like to get more in-depth with us, the Engagement Toolkit is offered to enterprising families and their advisors. You can email us at podcast at to receive your do-it-yourself materials and resources. If you've got a question or an idea you'd like to hear us address, drop us an email. You've been listening to More at Stake, the Family Business Podcast.